All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Are you tired of shaving? Are you tired of shopping for blades? Yes, Are you for your husband. Tired of spending way too much money for crappy blades that pop yes. out and then you step on them in the shower? Yes. For There's your a husband. better answer. Dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sideshow. It's like Netflix for shaving. You give them a couple bucks a month, they send you razors on an on a schedule. They send you the razor blades and the handle, and then you shave. And I don't have to go out and buy them? No, it's automatic. It's like Netflix. Do you have to return them? No, it's not that much like Netflix. So they're new. It's similar to Netflix. Yes, you're not renting okay. an old Jimmy Stewart razor. This is a new razor. They're sent to you in groups every month. Are there his and hers? Because you take my razors. Uh, I, you know what? There's only one place to find out if there are, and that is... Dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sideshow. Shave your face. Do some manscaping. Be smooth yes, please. and yummy. Please. Manscaping, yes. All for pennies on the dollar. Don't be an idiot. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sideshow. is a fork on the road. I am Mark DiCarlo sitting next to the Traveling Diva. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. And this is our third show, episode three, all about the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Number three, third time's a charm. We were there last week. We were there for first weekend in New Orleans. We saw some great music. It was amazing. It was. And the festival begins again. Weekend two starts today, Thursday, and runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there's more music, more food, more fun in New Orleans this weekend. If you're anywhere close... To the Crescent City, get your ass down there. If you missed the beginning, the first weekend, don't miss out on the second one. Right. You're going to get to hear all about first weekend. We're going to tell you what you missed out on. We had a good time. We had some good food. Uh, we also have on the show today interviews with Paul Sanchez, originally with Cowboy Mouth. Now he's the head of the the uh, Paul Sanchez and the Rolling Road Show Review, which mm -hmm. is a uh, Cajun kind of Cajun rock band. We're also going to be talking to Anders Osborne. And we're going to be talking to John Blanchard from the iconic Mid-City Rock and Bowl, which is a bowling alley in New York in uh, New Orleans. Well, it's a little bit of everything. It's a bowling alley. Mm -hmm. It has a phenomenal bar, and they have a great stage with incredible bands that you may have heard of, maybe you haven't. Um, personally, I'm not a big blues person, but every single person I've heard I've heard there has been amazing, and it's somebody that you get to see, and and. Um, you're bowling at the same time that you're hearing this great music and having amazing drinks. Right. And normally, for me, bowling is incredibly depressing. I've always, I don't know why. Well, I've I, always hated bowling. You know what? I, I just, bowl like I play me. basketball. I don't know how I haven't been thrown out. <laughs> it's because you wear a short skirt. <laughs> <laughs> the first year I brought you down to Jazz Fest, uh, Yenny showed up at the bowling alley in a very short skirt, and suddenly there were thousands of people watching her bowl, and she thought, really, it was because she was such a good bowler. <laughs> I know and I'm not a good bowler. Was, I know I'm not, not a good case. bowler, but it was fun. You know, whatever, short skirts. Oh, uh, but it's depressing. You're inside. It's not depressing, though. <laughs> it's depressing. At the Rock and Bowl because there's great <laughs> Zydeco music, um, local folks there, and it's a fun time. So we're going to be talking to the owner and the, the empresario behind it, uh, John Blatchern, in a little bit. But first, let's talk about Jazz Fest. For those of you that didn't listen to us last week, we were fixing to go down there, um, and then we went. Uh, Thursday, we got down there Thursday night, and we went, as we normally do, yep. uh, for our first drink over Old at Old Absinthe House. Which is right on Bourbon Street. And now they're actually selling absinthe. I know. I saw that. Did that you was have any? Freaky. No. Are you kidding? I've had that before, and I don't remember half the night, so I'm not venturing it to, to drinking it again. Yeah, it's like chloroforming yourself. I don't know why you would do it. It's very strong. But we have a group of people that have been going to Jazz Fest together for... 15, 20 years, some of the guys up to 26 years, and they come from all over the country. We had guys coming from Boston, from New York, from Southern California, 
Um, where yeah, else? one of our friends uh, ran the marathon. The Boston Marathon, yeah. right. Ian, we had him on the show last week. Yeah. So we all get in at different times of the day, and we all meet at the old Absinthe House on Bourbon Street uh, for drinks on Thursday night, and then the whirlwind weekend begins. <laughs> I don't think we were in bed before 3 o'clock. I'm exhausted. I don't know yeah. if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm still exhausted. I haven't gotten... I, I'm, I'm not I'm not here yet. Right. I'm still there. I want to go back. I wish I was there for this weekend. I do, too. This, ah. There's some great people we got. Who's uh, who's there this weekend? Fleetwood Mac is there this weekend. Hollow Notes. Hollow Notes are there this weekend. We saw some great... John Boutte. Uh, yeah, John Boutte is going to be there. Cowboy Mouth is there this weekend. Last weekend when we were there, we saw John Mayer, who I thought was fantastic. He was very good. People were kind of dissing him beforehand, like he was just... Sometimes because he's a pretty boy. Yeah, but you know what? So what? He can play. Yeah, he can play. And sometimes these and he's cute, right? Which is a bonus. The guys that go down to Jazz Fest are kind of musical snobs. You know, if someone is too famous, they won't go see them because Mm. he's too famous. But I thought John Mayer was great. Didn't happen with Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Billy Joel was incredible. Kicked ass. We were lucky enough. uh, Thanks to our buddy Noel, we got um, on stage. Stan that was so and, exciting. Yeah, Stan and Noel so hooked it up for us. We got on stage and we got to watch Billy Joel's show from the side of the stage. I got on the Jumbotron. You could see me on the Jumbotron. How cool is that? Uh, for those of you that haven't seen, I don't know how you could have, if you're more than 20 years old, how have you not seen Billy Joel? Have you seen Billy Joel, Sean, in your life live? Really? No? <gasps> Sin. He is, he's one of the few people in the music business that is his own thing. There's like Springsteen music as a subset of rock and roll. And I think Billy Joel is also a subset of rock and roll. He's he has a Billy little bit Joel. of everything. He has, when, when reggae came out, he came out with reggae-ish tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, his bass is um, all classical. He was tra- he's, a cl- he's classically trained. One of his albums, which sadly didn't sell as well as the other ones and is not as famous as the other ones, it's a fully classical album. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he has a little bit of everything. He's the type of guy that's, um, lasted generation after generation, decades. He continues to change his music and challenge his fans, which is great, instead of making the same old uh, record over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. He, he strikes me... He adapts. It's like classical and punk had a baby, and it, they called it <laughs> Billy Joel. We were Because we were on sides, we were backstage, we could kind of watch the show from the side of the stage, and when they called his name and he started walking out front, before anyone could see him... Kind of came around the curtain at the back, and he walks like a fighter. He had his fists clenched, and he was just kind of just muscling like a bulldog walks. Yeah. Walked to the front of the stage, and then just started banging on the piano. People went crazy. Sixty thousand people there at the Acura stage, and beautiful sunshiny day. And he just and he they hit all it hard. looked like they were having fun. Everybody up on that stage looked like they were having fun. It's not a day that you know. It's it's not a. It didn't seem like a job. It didn't seem like work. It seemed like we're going to go play. That's what we're going to do today. Well, we weren't we're working. He was working. We were just watching him work. That's why <laughs> it didn't seem like a job. No, everybody, the, the band, everybody there seemed like they were having a great time. Great guys in the band. We hung out with them a little bit uh, after the show. We went to the Monteleon yeah. uh, that night, which has totally... They, they have, there's a famous bar at the Monteleon Hotel on Royal Street in the French Quarter. It's called the Carousel Bar. It's where Tennessee Williams used to drink. William Faulkner used to drink there. It's a slow... It's a big old carousel. Right. It slowly revolves in that room, and it used to so be... So if you don't know that, it, that the carousel moves... <laughs> That's a great game to play. <laughs> you watch for people to go to the bathroom, and they come back, and their chair isn't where they think it should be because it's moved... Somewhere else. <laughs> fist hey, fights. You're people sitting in my fist chair. Fights. Get up, man. So uh, they've totally re designed and redecorated mm-hmm. and expanded the lobby at the Monteleone. Gigantic. It was packed all weekend. Louis Prima's daughter was there with this great brass band doing all of uh, the old man's mm-hmm. songs and the place was filled with hipsters and music lovers and alcoholics <laughs> and... Uh, great drinks. Great drinks and just a great vibe. You know, there's there's hotel bars and then there's hotel bars. I've been in some sad, depressing hotel bars at the Red Lion or the Red Roof Inn or a Quality Inn. You're someplace, and there's just no place else that's. I have open. no idea where those things are. They're they're they're. It's like if you're the in bars? if you're in, you know, Paducah, Kentucky, and it's 11:30 at night. The only thing that's going to be open is going to be the VFW or the hotel bar. But this hotel bar, <laughs> the Monteleone Hotel <laughs> Bar, fantastic place to hang out and uh, drink. And uh, have a good time in New Orleans. So we did that. Who else did we see that we really liked? Um, 
Um, the guy at uh, Rock and Roll. Terrence Simeon. Yes. Yeah. He was so fantastic. Yeah. He, he he's was a Cajun, so great. Cajun player. I couldn't understand what he was saying, though. What language was that? It's Cajun. It's a mixture of like Creole and French and African and Southern. Well, I got to tell you, it sounded delicious, mm -hmm. kind of like food. Right. But I couldn't understand what he was saying in between the songs. He was saying this, uttering these words that were not, I'd never heard that before. The songs were, I mean, I was dancing. I was jamming. You were jamming. Yeah. I got up on stage and uh, got to play a little harmonica with Mr. Simeon. We had a great time. What a generous cool guy he is. Matter of fact, we have the owner and the proprietor and the genius behind the Mid-City Rock and Bowl in New Orleans on the line with us. It's John Blanchard. John, how are you? Well, I appreciate you calling me. We're having a good time in New Orleans here. We were there last weekend. We were there Thursday night for uh, Terrence Simeon, and we had a great time, as we always do every year. We come down for Jazz Fest. For people that don't know, give me a little short little history about Rock and Bowl, because... Bowling alleys and rock and roll music are not a natural fit, really, are they? Yeah, well, you know, and as far as I know, it it, it, it never happened prior. Uh, it was a kind of a leap of faith situation. But uh, in uh, 1988, uh, a fellow came and asked me if I was interested in uh, looking at a business opportunity. It was an old bowling alley for sale, and I said, I don't know a thing about bowling. And I said, where at? And they said, the corner to in Carrollton. And I said, in that neighborhood, you got to be crazy. Yeah, the original, and, uh, the original Rock and Bowl, uh, it was relocated after Katrina, but the original one that we used to go to was upstairs in a not-great neighborhood, and when people danced, the whole floor, it was like a trampoline. Yeah. It was a, it was a lovable dump. <laughs> yeah, it was a lovable dump, and but and that's essentially what it was. And when I first took it over, like I said, they, they uh, the day before I took over, they did twenty nine dollars gross bowling and bar. Uh, I, I bought it for almost next to nothing, a ten thousand dollar note, wow. just to take it over, and uh, just started working sixteen hour days, seven days a week, and uh, it wasn't immediate. But I was here about a year, and uh, I just started. I, decided to start doing live music on a Friday night to see if that would work. And I had, I had some people, you know, start to come out. And that's uh, I went to Saturdays, and it just kept growing from there. But uh, Well, you're lucky that you have so many talented musicians right there in New Orleans to draw from. I mean, you've, yeah, especially well, during yeah, Jazz Fest, you got everybody in town. Certainly, right? certainly. And, you know, when, when, I, when I first started, like I said, you know, I, I, I knew nothing about this business. And uh, I had a guy, Porgy Jones, was a was a local music horn player, musician, and he played in, in the early days of rock and roll. Because back then, I could only I could only afford three or four hundred dollars to put a band. There was no cover charge. Right. And uh, one day, he came to me and says, "Look, if uh, you know, for another hundred dollars, I can get uh, Johnny Adams to, uh, to sing with my band." And I said, "You got to be kidding, Johnny Adams!" I mean, I remember him as a kid. And uh, so that's how I got introduced to Johnny Adams, and then he came up. He said, "Well, you know, I can get Ernie Cato here." And so, and so, you know, from there. And Ernie, Ernie uh, was a huge godfather of uh, New Orleans music back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was guided. I mean, you know, eventually, and then I got introduced to Snook Eaglin, and eventually, the Rock and Bowl became the place where these guys kind of resurrected their careers. And uh, they started making money here where they couldn't make money anyplace else, you know. Right. And uh, I'd have them during Jazz Fest, and people would come, uh, you, know, you know, fill my place at night. And so anyway, that's kind of how it all started. And now I, I do I do live music five nights a week, uh, every you know five nights every week, and then sometimes. Uh, Sometimes seven, certainly during Jazz Fest, we do it every night. You know? Oh yeah, and it's—I think it's—it's it's a strange marriage, the bowling and the rock and roll. But I think I figured it out because the first time I brought my girlfriend, who is now my wife. Hi there. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> our, friend, our friends brought us down there. They said, "Okay, we're going to bowl and we're going to listen to music." And she was wearing a real short skirt. And as I looked around, there were a lot of girls bowling in skirts and dresses, and suddenly I realized why bowling is so popular. It's, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> you know, I, uh, You're a genius, John. <laughs> well, you know, when I, when I first bought the bowling alley, and what I saw was a great catering hall, and I said, man, you could put a band over here, and you could, I can do music, and 
people can bowl, and people thought I had three eyes. I mean, they, they just thought that was the craziest damn idea they ever heard, you know. But I knew I, I never did bowl in the league in my life. Uh-huh. But occasionally I would go out with friends, and we would bowl and drink beers and play the jukebox. And I always had a great time. And so to me, I, I had a... I had this connection that music and bowling and mm-hmm. drinking was a one hell of a good time. Well, definitely, <laughs> definitely the drinking. Yeah, you, you got a great. I mean, the place is a giant. There's a big building there now, giant bar in the center, big dance floor, and then there's bowling off to the side. I mean, we we rarely bowl anymore, but it's it's uh, it's a great neighborhood venue it seems I don't think like. I've ever learned how to properly bowl it doesn't nobody really cares when you wear what you wear <laughs> nobody cares I bowl like I play basketball so I don't know how in the world I mean I, I I just I don't get it it's not it's not the first thing I would pick but we always go to the rock and ball because of the music because we always have a great time and maybe you do a little bowling you know well I appreciate that even though you don't, you, you don't know how to properly bowl. Apparently, someone <laughs> taught you how to properly dress, and that's, that's an important part of the rocket bowl. <laughs> All right. Well, who do you got? Who do you got playing second weekend, John? Second weekend, you know, well, tonight we have a tribute to Bobby Charles and the, the little band of Gold and Shannon McNally. Uh, Thursday, Thursday night. night, I have uh, Rosie Ledette, Gino Delafos, and Chubby Carrier. Uh, Friday, I have uh, Tab Benoit, Eric Lindell, and Amanda Shaw. Oh, Ooh, Amanda, Amanda Shaw. Amanda Shaw yeah. is this hot little girl who plays the fiddle with the uh, with the pretty. What, what's the name the, of her the band? Cute boys? The cute boys. The cute boys. The cute boys. Yeah. Well, she was here last player. night uh, also, and she she had a uh, Shubby Carrier and Bruce Stegenpaw and Deacon John as special guests. Oh wow! They, we, we had, it was a great show last night. And then who do you got uh, Saturday night? Saturday night, I have uh, Royal Southern Brotherhood, Bonorama, and uh, Kermit Ruffins and the Barbecue Swingers. Oh, Kermit Ruffins. How do you book? These These are, for people that don't know, these are huge touring bands, and you're seeing them in a venue that holds how many people? Uh, you know, it, we, we hold 900 people now. Okay. And so, uh, yes, we, we, we can put some folks in here, you but, know. Uh, as a, as the, the Royal Southern Brotherhood. What is that? That's a that's an almond son. Right, right. That's a that's, that's a combination is uh, the son of uh, Greg Almond, Devin Almond, and uh, Cyril Neville. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, of, of the Neville brothers. Uh, it's a band they put together with Mike Zito and Enrico Scott and Charlie Wooten. Uh, Big players. They've been, they've been together about a year and a half. Yeah, but great, great players, and uh, they, they start to you know. They just started to make a name for themselves there, you know. And then Sunday night, we always close it out on Sunday now with uh, uh, Sonny Landreth and uh, Tab Benoit. Two so, great uh, Southern guitar players. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, we normally close down the jazz session that Sunday night, and it's, uh, it's always a great time. I feel like i got to put in a word here for two of my favorites uh, every okay. time I go down for Jazz Fest. Um, Cowboy Mouth? You know, they just... They're hard to get in touch with. <laughs> They're and, always touring. They're always out of touch. Well, tour. right. No, I, I, I really, they, they believe that the second gig they ever played in their life was at the old Rock and Bowl. Oh. And it, it was the, the Monday, before, Monday before Mardi Gras, and they had no cover charge, and I must have had a 1,000 people here that was night. That, was that with Paul Sanchez? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. That, that, that was the original Cowboy Mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Thomas Griffin, Paul, and... Uh, uh, we Fred. love Paul. We love Fred. Paul. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but Cowboy Mouth, and, who, and who's the other one? John Boutte. Oh, yeah, yo. You know, it's some kind of way, I've had John here, but uh, John's uh, an enigmatic fellow. You know what I mean? He, uh, He's not a loud, raucous performer, which I think is really what you need at that bowling alley. I think he stays in his neighborhood, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, John, I, I, you know, kudos to you for taking something that was a place that was making $29 a night <laughs> and turning it into an institution in New York. Folks, if you're going down to Jazz Fest for second weekend, you got to go over to the Mid-City Rock and Bowl, right next door, a really good restaurant called oh, Yale, Yale College Inn. We ate there for yeah. dinner, had a great time. I think I had the, the shrimp and grits. Wow, yeah, yeah. They're, wow, they're doing it. They're, in fact, they're packed right next door, so we, we have to... <laughs> pre-show people eat there it's we call it one stop dining rock oh, so we cool. are <laughs> it is so good that is that is exactly what we did we went there for dinner and then we uh hop on 
we went right next door to uh, Rock and Bowl. Now, I, I would love some of your recipes. I need I need to get that uh, shrimp and grits recipe from you. Well, you got to do it. Just just email me at john at rockandbowl.com, and we'll take care of that. And what's okay. the website so people can see your schedule, John? Uh, rockandbowl.com, R-O-C-K-N-B-O-W-L. That's the beautiful mid-city rock and bowl <laughs> in the great state of New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks so much, John. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great Thank fest. Thank you. Bye, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Place is packed, fun, great if you're single because there's lots of girls and all the girls want to dance. <laughs> you know? Oh, the music is great. It is. But lots of times you see guys at these kind of at clubs and guys don't dance. And you know what? The drinks are not overpriced. No. The it's drinks four or are, five bucks for yeah. a beer. And uh, it's great music, great fun, great food. New Orleans, it's the uh, rock and bowl there. And everybody has fun. Everybody. You see people dancing the entire time. You see people bowling. You see people at the bar drinking. People mm -hmm. talk to everybody else. You know, it's not... It's it, not stuffy. It's it's just fun and, you know, real and down to earth. And it, it's a good old time. It's a great community. And, you know, every week on this show, which is a Fork on the Road show, we're going to be talking about travel. We're going to be talking about food. We're going to be talking about fun. And we want your input. So you can give us a call anytime, 24-7. Our number is 424-250-FORK. It's 424-250-FORK. Fork. If you're planning a trip, if you're planning an anniversary, a reunion a, a girls getaway any kind of trip whether it's a road trip or a flying trip you call Vegas us Vegas trip throw us whatever questions you have if you're having problems getting stuff booked or you're having problems coming up with a good idea we will help you pimp your trip right here on the air and it'll be fun right let's hope yeah so do that the number again four yeah the, the fun part we'll we'll add the fun part 424-250-FORK give us a call 24-7 we will have you on the show we're also going to be giving away lots of prizes we're running a contest to give away an underwater vivitar camcorder you got to give us a call at that number and tell us about your travel plans if you need some help we're going to invite some people to talk to us on the air and uh, whoever turns out to have the funniest travel problem we will award you with uh, some travel help and you'll now the, the problem has to be funny or the person has to be funny or the story i think it's the most entertaining we're gonna have okay. we're gonna have the listeners vote as to who is the most deserving getting this underwater vivitar camcorder uh we're going to be doing that over the next month or so also if you're planning a road trip anytime gas prices are crazy they're up they're down help out one of the folks that helps us out you want to go and check out enviro tabs these are little tablets that you throw in your gas tank and you can increase your gas mileage by up to 15%. I've been using them for six months. They work in my car. And uh, it's a great way to, you know, flip the bird to the gas companies. It can <laughs> <laughs> really. Uh, so help you get about 15% better gas mileage. Just drop it in your tank. You can get more information at greenfootglobal.com slash roadravesmark. We'll put that link on our website as well. And our website is? Sideshow Network. Dot TV slash a fork on the road. That's right. Sideshow Network dot TV slash a fork on the road. All these links and things that we're talking about will be on that website as long as as well as a link to uh, EnviroTabs and uh, the Rock and Bowl and the people that we're going to talk to next. Stick around. We're not going anywhere. Oh, no I'm sorry. That's the beauty of the podcast. We're just staying Stick around right after. Are you? These. Have you been on this before? I'm sorry. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm not here. It was a I'm long still weekend. in New Orleans. And baby. while we were in New Orleans, we talked to Anders Osborne. Uh, he originally started out in Sweden. He's been living in New Orleans about 30 years, and he is kind of the, he's the prince. He's the the Louis Armstrong of today. And I had a chance to sit down and talk to Anders and uh, take a listen. Call you New Orleans' favorite adopted son? 
Mervishal? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like you're everywhere. You just played with the Voice of the Wetlands. Did your show here yesterday. My favorite show that I've seen of yours so far was the first show after Katrina. When you came out, the, the, the hair on my arms was standing out the whole show. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of coming back after the storm? Because you, didn't you start the show Friday? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a real pleasure to get things going on accurate today with this next gentleman because he's been one of the stalwarts of New Orleans music throughout this whole ordeal. He has been at the Bonton, he has been at Tipitina's, he has been at the Maple Leaf. He has been everywhere all these months carrying on the struggle and the fight to bring live music back to New Orleans. In addition to that, he is great. Please welcome our hometown hero, Anders Osborne. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back, and I'm so back, happy to see everybody else back. I was in the traffic jam on Esplanade, and that, that made my day. But everything in the beginning when we came back was just really very emotional, you know? It was everything. A lot of musicians left town. Yeah, we lost probably 40, 50 percent of the, you know, the, the classic guys, and the, either they passed away or they moved somewhere or they couldn't make it back and stuff. So in the beginning we had, it was kind of fun though, you, you had to put together new bands make it work in a, in, a, in a different way and that was I think it was pretty pretty healthy for the music community in one way we were talking to Paul Sanchez yesterday and he said the same thing yeah he put his rolling rolling roadshow together yeah. with like the the orphans of the city really right Whoever was left yeah. Yeah. who were you playing with during that period uh, I think Dave Jordan was a bass player from juice he was here um, I had um, who was on sax I can't even remember. I think you still had the sousaphone. Yeah, I still had Kirk. Um, probably had Simon Lott maybe on drums or yeah, it was it was I can't really remember. It was a it was a hazy time. I just remember that was a fantastic show and you looked like you were really um, appreciative to see so many people there. I know everyone in the crowd was so happy to be here. Oh, it was wonderful. City is almost gone oh, since you came along. Yeah, we can't go home. Uh, there's a there's a sense in this city that uh, I, I travel not as much as you do, but I travel a lot, and every yeah. city kind of has its own mojo. Yeah. The city, I think, has the loudest mojo of any city in America. <laughs> That's great. Would you agree? I mean, the most yeah. flavorful, brash. Yep, very auspicious, yes. It's, it's, it's right there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it, we thrive on it. So when you live in such a great place, yeah. are there other cities around the country you look forward to visiting, or are you only focused on getting back home when you travel? No. Where do you like to go? I like it all, actually. It just depends on, most of the time, it's it's just really hard to get any time off. So it's a club, it's a hotel, you know, it's a parking lot. It's, you don't see a whole lot. But the audience, I gotta say that the audience in Minnesota, like Minneapolis and stuff, extremely friendly people out there. I don't know Those what- Those are your peeps, really. It could be. Right? Yeah, there's something about certain parts of the north there's a there's a uh, community they bring food a lot of food to your shows oh yeah cook goods they get you know cookies Ludafisk? they bring any no 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 <laughs> no i don't get a lot of sweets i mean that's been over 30 years but there, there are a few of those but just in general i think hippies is the word <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and I, if you're a hippie in Minnesota, you are yeah. you're really out there, right? Yeah, that's, it's not like being in Key West. No, totally. Hippie in California is a better choice. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's better. But I think every place has something to offer for sure. I like Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii is nice too, yeah, right? Yeah, I gotta say, that's one of the few places I've been where I went. Yeah. Nah, this I can do. The people, everything, it's really, really special. to eat you know we're a food show we talk about uh, New York City San yeah. Francisco has sushi that will be just amazing um, where else have I eaten really good Chicago Chicago is great wonderful food in Chicago this is arguably I think the best food city in America would you agree I put this on top yeah and where what are your top three places to go here when you're like when you're on the road for three weeks and you're thinking about coming back home what gets your mouth wet I think Laius's by the track is great for lunch. Um, I think August is fantastic, but it's pricey, you know. But that's cool food. I uh, like, um, you know, places like Galatoire is great. Right on Bourbon Street. Yeah. I like uh, uh, Johnny's and Frankie's Uptown, but I think they just closed. I heard a rumor about it. I think it's harder to find a bad meal in New Orleans than a good one. Yeah, we have a saying here, you never wait in line, you just go to the next place. <laughs> Speaking of the next place, let's talk about your new album. This is your first album for Alligator Records out of Chicago? Actually, it's the um, third. Third, okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's the third. The new one's called uh, Three Free Amigos. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Um, the whole record is like a, a demo. I wanted it to be me as a songwriter and then just embellish a little bit rather than the full band. Uh huh. And it's an EP, so there's just six songs on it. Uh, the title track was written when I was riding in the car with. We had a little trio. It was me, Johnny Sansone, and Clarence Beccaro. And we were doing like a songwriter tour on the West Coast. So I just wrote a little tune about us. Your set here just burned it down with the All Stars. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. set yesterday was great. Thank you. What, what, what? One thing in music that you would like to do that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet? Um, I like to produce Dr. John. <laughs> Is that a thorny issue? Is he an easy guy to work with? Because I know he produced a Van Morrison record in there like a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I've been asking him if he says you never know what happened down the road. <laughs> What would you do differently? Oh, it depends on the songs he gives me, but I just like the opportunity. I mean, you know, he's a mentor, and some of those guys I'd love to work with. You are the, the prince of a lineage of incredible musicians. God bless you. God bless you. Safe yes. travels. Thanks for having Enjoy me. Enjoy it. Thanks All very right, much. I'm stone drunk and naked.
Anders Osborne, great guy. His show was great. He performs with the uh, the All-Stars. He performs his own shows. He travels all around the country. You go to AndersOsborne.com. You can see his schedule. Also, you can go to Alligator Records and pick up that new records, that new uh, CD of his that he was talking about, which is Three Free Amigos. Great CD. Great performer. Loved it. Very cool guy. I know. He's one of your favorites. He is. He is. He's like a Swedish guy who has been accepted into the bosom of New Orleans. The bosom? Into the bosom. The bosom. Into the bosom of New Orleans. Uh, another guy who was a big musical star down in New Orleans was uh, living there his whole life until Katrina forced him to leave, actually. Mm. He, had a, he actually left the country for a couple of years. He is back now in New Orleans and doing really well. Um, of course, we're talking about Paul Sanchez. Paul and... Um, Fred and uh, J.T. Griffith were the uh, originators, along with Rob Savoy, of a great band called Cowboy Mouth that you've heard us talk about before. Now Paul has his own band. It's called the Paul Sanchez Rolling Roadshow. And he invited us over to his house on Fest Friday, the first day of the festival this year. That was a great beginning to that festival. Wasn't it? Yeah. Beautiful house, really sweet guy. A uh, very thoughtful man and a really great musician and an excellent ambassador of New Orleans music. So take a listen to our interview with Mr. Paul Sanchez. Sanchez, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Thanks for having us over. Well, thanks for stopping by. Uh, now, you've been a New Orleans resident for how long? I'm New Orleans born, I'm New Orleans bred. When I die, I'll be New Orleans dead. <laughs> what is it about New Orleans that captivates people so? I, I, I have my own theory, but I'd like to hear why the music and the food here is different than any place else, certainly in America. Life is immediate in New Orleans. We have a reminder every year called hurricane season that everything can be gone in an instant. So we live life out loud. We live it to the fullest. We laugh louder than we should. We dance real hard. And we play music all the time. The city is just lousy with music. It's everywhere you go. It's, speaking of that, you can't find a lousy musician here. Even on crappy little places on Bourbon Street, everyone playing seems to be a cut above the bands I hear traveling into other cities. I think that's true, and I think it's because the level of musicianship here is a bit higher than you might find on the average in other cities. I'm not saying there's not great musicians in every city. I'm saying that people, you're born with it in your house. Invariably, somebody in your house is singing or playing an instrument before you can even remember, and the level of musicianship is just rising, and the kids play it in the street. I mean, I love that. My wife and I will be taking a walk around the block, and you'll see a kid just blowing on his horn, walking on his way home from school. It's just a beautiful thing. We're big fans of Treme. We see you on there all the time. Do you feel that uh, the vibe on Treme captures the city accurately? I, I thought it captured the city amazingly accurately. I, I love it. I, I feel like I'm sitting there in the bar watching my friends do their thing, whether it's eating or drinking. They, they went out of their way to, to show the world what a Mardi Gras Indian not just looks like, but what it means to them to be a Mardi Gras Indian, mm -hmm. which is a very mysterious culture. And I've had people that live in New Orleans all their life and say, I never knew what an Indian was or had seen an Indian. So the, the show's even doing that for some New Orleanians. So yeah, I think it's a beautiful, amazing show. And I'm so glad it's here. I'm so sorry that they uh, wrapped. Are they done for good? Four seasons and done, unfortunately, yes. So treasure it while you got it, just like New Orleans. When I woke up, I heard a voice And I froze in my bed When I woke up, I was divorced How did you get back into my head? No, 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 it was a rain geographic location of the city, kind of historically being at the crossroads of all the, the shipping and all the different cultures crashing together, is that responsible for the, the gumbo of the music and the gumbo of the food and the gumbo of the people? Yeah, I do. I think that port towns are places where the world comes together, like New York, 
like San Francisco, like London, it's a place where people from all over the world come in off the ships and inevitably stay. And then you have this mixture of uh, international peoples that fall in love with each other and with the city and with the literature and with the music and, you know, and they, they create something new. New Orleans has that more so than a lot of places because it's, it's smaller than any of those places. It's so much smaller than New York or Chicago. Mm -hmm or San Francisco or London. It's, it's like any one of those cities, you take a neighborhood out of one of those cities and plop it down and call it a city, right. and that's New Orleans. You know, it's small and accessible and everybody knows everybody, and that's one of the things I truly love about it. It seems like a very tightly knit community, certainly the musicians here. Um, you know a lot of chefs. What do you, as a native New Orleanian, where, if you're gonna have one meal, you're gonna get hit by a bus tomorrow, you got one dinner left, where do you go? You know, people ask me that all the time, and New Orleans people are very neighborhood-oriented, more so than most cities. And I'm a neighborhood guy, I walk to the places I can go get my coffee, and I can go sit here my music. And I live across the street from Degas House, where the great artist uh, Degas lived when he lived in New Orleans. And there's a restaurant just a few blocks away called Café Degas. It's a beautiful French restaurant. They all know my name, I've been going there for years. And when my wife and I want to go, we can take a walk to Café de Gare and get an elegant French meal. I get my, uh, you know, my French onion soup and my Brussels sprout salad and I'm a happy, happy man. For someone that so thoroughly and obviously enjoys the city and the culture here, do you want to talk a second about Katrina? Because I know when the storm hit, you were displaced. suitcases mm. and everything we had was wiped out when the levees breached and we came home to nothing and I thought so all your instruments all your artifacts from the entire life and a career yes oh my God. Our, our clothes our furnishings every bit of music we owned every instrument that you know the, the guitar she bought me as a wedding present for that matter it was everything that's gone and starting over was disorienting and beyond painful. It was the house her grandfather had built. It was the house her mother was raised in, the house where her mom and dad met and fell in love. It was it was a lifetime of memories, more than just stuff. But we had each other, and that was as good a place as any to start. You know, we didn't lose family members, which some people did. And so, uh, I met these wonderful musicians in New Orleans that were all starting over, like Shamar Allen, who had lost his house and his mom and dad lost their place. And I just dove in and made music, which is all I knew how to do. And, I, and through making music, I met I met people that I didn't know before, like you know Matt Perrine and Shamar Allen. And I got to be better friends with John Boutte, who I knew before the flood, and write songs with John that I wouldn't have written before. And the music changed me. I became more of a New Orleans player and. And because I had been on the road for so many years playing rock and roll, I didn't know that the jazz guys didn't really play with the rock guys so often. I didn't know that the brass band guys didn't play with the rock guys or the jazz guys so often. So I just started throwing them all on stages together and in studios together, and they wound up really digging it. You know, my my jazz, my young jazz guy friends like Shamar Allen would hear a pop song that I'd make him play on, and I, he'd go, "Hey, Uncle, how's that progression there work?" They call me Uncle Paul, you know, the young guys, and I. I'd show him, you know, and I'd say, is that messing you up? And he'd smile and go, no, I'm sticking that in my pocket, <laughs> you know. And so it was a really great uh, time of, of learning for everybody, and everybody wound up digging it and wound up making uh, music together and playing on each other's records. So while it was a great time of loss and it was a great time of uh, disorientation, it was also a great new beginning. Right, and a like great any time true of, destruction. 
out of the tree destruction, out. something beautiful grew. And then, and because the city was empty of a lot of people, all we had was each other's. You'd go out to Frenchman Street, and you knew every single person on that street night after night. The musicians were going to each other's gigs. The same 40, 50 fans were going to everybody's gigs. So you'd walk out on Frenchman Street, and you knew the same 150 to 200 people that were on that street every night. You were sitting on the floor at each other's gigs, supporting each other, loving each other. It was an empty time, a sad time, but at the same time, it was such a magical and beautiful time. That's the time that Exit to Mystery Street came out of. It came out of a place a mystical place that'll never be again. Mm. And that's the genesis of the, the Rolling Road Show. That's the genesis of the Rolling Road Show. It happened that I didn't have a band and I got a gig at Lafayette Square, one of those Wednesday in the Square things. It's a beautiful setting. And uh, I, I asked a bunch of friends who I'd gone, gone out to see on Frenchman Street and they were all from different areas, jazz, brass band, rock and roll. And after the show, it was a very successful show and a woman came up to me and she said, that is what I thought New Orleans music was. That was wonderful. And I thought to myself, well, that's what I thought <laughs> New Orleans it, music gonna was. I'm going to keep doing it. And everybody that sees it says the same thing. You know, that's, how did you think of doing this? That's what, that's what we all thought New Orleans music was. And uh, Debbie Davis, who's uh, married to Matt Perrine and plays with the Fister Sisters, she said to me afterwards, I said, well, this is really great. You know, fun doing this. Thanks for doing it. She says, you know, this community you've assembled didn't... It didn't exist until you insisted that it be so. And I thought that was the loveliest thing she could have told me. Mm. You know, because in my heart it did exist because that's the people I love. But she said they, they really didn't work together like they do when they come together to play with me. And I just thought that was one of the most profoundly beautiful compliments she could have given me. And such a, such a great example of creativity at, at its most basic level. You, you, you're literally wiped out of everything you have, own, live, everything every tactile thing that you've ever had. And, and out of that, you kind of circle your people together, sprinkle a little water and maybe a little hurricane juice. And you The stuff was taken away, but the love was still there. And all I needed was to assemble mus musicians, music, and love and let my ego step out of the way. Because maybe somebody else would have stood center stage and say, look at me, look at me all day. Uh, I've already been there, and that's one way to do a show. But stepping aside and saying, look at this person and that person and this other person was more interesting to me, mm -hmm. more fun. And ultimately, it's been a lot of fun for the audiences. And to be honest, when I first started doing it, I would say to the guy I'd hired, okay, this will be your turn into your song. And the guy or the, or the woman would say, what do you mean, my song? And it's like, well, I really like your stuff. I think you're a wonderful songwriter, a wonderful singer. I want this to be your part of the set to show people what you do. And they would be shocked and go, seriously? <laughs> Really? I thought I was a session... Sideman, right? Yeah, sideman. I mean, no, no. This is, that's the whole concept of the Rolling Road Show, is let's show people that we're, we all have something to do here. And, and then the band loved it as much as the audience loved it, because then they're part of it, and it's special for them, too. And that energy is real, and I think the audience sees that as well, that sure. people stepping up get excited about getting their moment, and I think that transfers. It's authentic. It's real. Van Morrison did the same thing in uh, 1993. Uh, it's the, the tour that... Um, a night in San Francisco came out of, and he took he took uh, Jimmy Witherspoon with him on the road. He took Junior Wells. He had uh, Candy Dulfer. He had a bunch of you know sidemen, and they all got their own spotlight in the show. And it was kind of he called it the Rhythm and Blues Review. Nice. And it's my favorite Van Morrison record because it's it's got Van at his peak and all these other people supporting him in their solo parts, but then also stepping up and doing their own stuff. And it's it's a show that you. It's it's not a Van Morrison show. It's this eclectic collection of people. And I remember we saw you. It must have been your first time in L.A. with the Rolling Road Show with Shamar and uh, Gary and the keyboards uh -huh. at that little place on Pico Boulevard. You were like, joint. yeah, it's like you were sitting sitting on a locker playing, and we didn't know what to expect because we had seen you many times with Cowboy Mouth, and uh -huh. that's that's New Orleans rock and roll, but that's mm. rock and roll. It's rock and roll. And uh, this music is different, and. Uh, we loved it. I had a great time, and I'm like, wow. And I, that did strike me that night, is that Shamar played a couple of songs, and I had never heard of him before. And like any good... What I love about music, and especially love about coming to the Jazz Fest, this is my 20th Jazz Fest in Wonderful. a row, is you're, you are always exposed to somebody completely new to you that is fantastic, and you're like, what the, how did I miss this diamond in the rough? And it's those, all those musical connections. 
So for you to be kind of the, the, the uncle of that here in New Orleans, that's got to be that's a very a gratifying feeling. Right? That's a gift. Was there a show, do you remember a time when you were a kid and you saw someone play and you were like, ah, yes. that's what I want to do? Yes. Who was it and when There's was it? two people I'll never forget. I was working in a beer booth as a kid for an organization that used to raise money selling beers. My, one of my first jazz fests, like 77 or 78, and used to chop ice in the beer booth and accidentally puncture a can. Oops. Oops. I guess I got to drink it. I guess I got to drink that. And I snuck away and I saw Odetta play Mm -hmm. solo acoustic. And it blew my mind to see this old lady up there by herself pounding on the stage beating on that acoustic guitar. Just her? Yeah, just Odetta. And I'll never forget it, man. She had her head wrapped in a dashiki and she was up there in a long dress and just sitting in a chair and it was riveting. And then the, the following year, I believe it was, Pete Seeger with his banjo, again, solo, just had the crowd in the palm of his hand. And I just thought, golly, I just want to do that, man. I just want to, I want to be on that stage. You know, I want, to, I want to sing to the people like that. He was, and of course, the Neville Brothers, I used to st- they closed every year. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was just a, it was a spiritual moment. It always was. I would rush over there, no matter what I was doing, and wait for the moment when Aaron Neville would sing. I loved his what voice. What transcendent voice that guy what had. A transcendent voice. And to be in the crowd when he was singing as the sun went down, it was just everything beautiful about being a New Orleanian to me. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I travel quite a bit. And I think there are some cities that have a palpable vibe. Chicago, San Francisco, Miami, uh, New York, Boston, and New Orleans. It's like you know, you can close your eyes and you know exactly where you are just from the, the hum. So now you travel all over the world, travel all over, and when you travel, you're not eating at home. You got to eat on the road. Give me some, give me some of your favorite food experiences. I mean, do you look forward to going to certain cities? Yeah, yeah. New York, obviously, uh, and Chicago. Where do you go when you're in Chicago? Where do you eat? What do you like to eat there? Um. Well, one of my favorite places is the sushi place that's uh, on. Uh, which is Kamahachi. Where's that? It's on... I have to ask my wife. Downtown? Yeah, it's in the loop. And then there's this great ribs place called Tunes. Do you know it? It's on the north side. No. The guy, he was a, he, he lived in New Orleans for a while. He's from Chicago, but he, he, he lived in New Orleans for a while. And uh, so he does a mean pot of crawfish as well, <laughs> which is another good reason, and a good plate of red beans as well. But he does great burgers and great, great, I mean, like melt-in-your-mouth ribs. And so uh, Tunes is one of my favorite uh, spots to hit in Chicago. Chicago's an almost can't-go-wrong yeah. city, though. You know, it's, it's one of the great cities in the world, let alone the country. So you just sort of have to, like, you have to really try to get a bad meal in Chicago. It's like here. Do you find yourself find it, seeking out New Orleans food in all the different cities that no. you go to? No. I, I, I want to eat the food that that city's known for. For one thing, I've traveled on the road too long as a musician to go to eat a New Orleans meal. You know, I had that too many times in too many places. I'm gonna wait. These until beans get... are fresh out of the can. Yeah. How can you not love them? I want to wait until I get back to New Orleans to get a New Orleans meal. Uh, so, I, and I really want to. I want to sample the things that are special about that town. You know, if I'm going to New York, I'm gonna try a lot of different great restaurants in New York, but I'm also gonna get a slice. You know, because right. I can't get a New York slice in New Orleans. I just can't. I can, I can get a lot of things in New Orleans. I can't get a New York slice. Uh, so, uh, no, when I'm, when I'm in uh, New York, I want to get a really nice meal. Uh, and I, I, I wanna, when I'm in Chicago, I want to get a man-sized hunk of beef, man. <laughs> That's what Chicago people eat, you know? <laughs> So, That's true. That's why we wear all the big uh, Bears jerseys to cover the LeBunzes and the. You front know, Chicago guys are big, beefy people, and I want to go and eat with them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you get to jam and play with people as you travel around. Any special experiences there? People have invited you on stage and invited you into their musical kingdom. Performing with John Boutte and his band is always thrilling because he's got top jazz players, and whether it's in New Orleans or New York or Los Angeles. They bring out a nuance in my singing that I forget that I possess. John sings so softly. He really is that's a so, great word for the way he sings. Yeah. Very nuanced. Very new. I was just going to say, not just softly, but he's so aware of his tone and his phrasing mm. and the emotion. Every bit of 
He's a master, really. Every bit of his singing. And unlike bombastic guys that'll blow you out, he's so quiet and delicate. He draws he, you in. Yeah. And he makes you, as a singer, he makes you very aware of the power of drawing your audience in, of having them hang on your every word, mm. of not blowing them up, being bombastic. There's such a power in that. So that's always quite thrilling to, uh, to do so. There's... That's, you know what, that's a great point. I, I always try and explain to people why I've been coming to Jazz Fest for so long. And, and it's the festival, but it's the, these shows at night. You really see practitioners of live entertainment like nowhere else. And just the artistry of being in a loud, raucous, smelly club, people trying to get laid, people trying to get dinner, people trying to get drunk. And when you are able to galvanize a room like that and have people hanging on your every literal breath... Yes, that's an amazing that's an amazing art, and it's fun to watch the different ways people can do that in a room. It really is. It, they just captivate people, and it happens happens every time I come here. I'll walk in and see someone I've never seen before on stage, and you walk out going, "Who the hell was that guy?" That's true. That's Where? True. How does he do? Wow! It's it's uh, it's thrilling, and it's one of the things I love about the city and about music and and about your music and what you've done with your musical career. It's just always fun to hear you, watch you, see you. And uh, thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, I know you got to so get going. By. It was a pleasure, Paul. That's Paul Sanchez and the Rolling Road Show. What's your website so people can come and uh, see you when you roll through their town? PaulSanchez.com. Simple. Only an idiot could screw that up. All right. You know what? We are done. We are headed to the fest. Thanks, Paul. Indeed. Thanks for stopping by. wrap-up of the first weekend of Jazz Fest 2013. Oh, what a weekend. Great music, great food. We ate tons of food at the festival. What was your we favorite? We talk about the food. Okay, the, my favorites. Uh, the cochon de lait. Which is it what? Is, it's a po' boy. A po' boy is this big old sandwich with a lot of bread, and they put this coleslaw that's sweet and tangy, and tangy? they marinate. Yeah, like um, sweet and like a little... Tangy? What is the word? Tangy is the word. Is that the word? Yeah. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. Say and it again. On top of, Sweet and tangy? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm saying something wrong. No, it's sweet and I don't tangy. Care. Listen, it's delicious. It's that kind of oh, flavor, right? Oh, so good. The horseradish. Do they put horseradish in it? That's what gives it the tange. Oh, my God, it's so good. Okay. And see, my mouth is watering right now. Okay, so they marinate this pork um, overnight in milk. That's why it's called cochon de lait, pig of milk. Mm-hmm. And they put it on top of the coleslaw and the coleslaw the, the, the cream from the coleslaw gets in the um, in the bread and it is so delicious and the sweetness gets in the pig and it's oh it is so yummy you like it with hot sauce I like it without mm-hmm. but I could eat that all day because it's so tangy that is my number one pick cochon de lait yes cochon de lait I had that I had some crawfish monica I had the crawfish sack which is like a you fried know- sack of crawfish the sack is made out of pastry, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's crunchy on the outside, and it's really hot inside, so you have to be careful when you don't bite into it. Yeah, um, never bite into a sack. I think that's a good rule of thumb, <laughs> Just especially a tangy sack. Oh, unless it's been sitting around for a while. <laughs> so th- when, when it pops open, there's this cream sauce, and it's filled with delicious, yummy little crawfish. Mm-hmm. <gasps> it's an emergency. Oh. It's so delicious. Oh, it is so good. Lots of great food there. If better than the crawfish, Monica. Yeah, you like that better? Yeah, I don't. It's pasta with crawfish. Well, one rule is you never want to eat before you go to Jazz Fest. Go there hungry, 
and eat your way through the festival. It's a feast for your stomach and for your ears. And the weekend, too, starts today, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all weekend long in New Orleans. If you want to know who's playing there, you go to nojazzfest.com, and they'll fill you in on all those details. The details of the food, the details of the music. Uh, it has a lineup. It has... Um, hotels. I think. Are they, do they still have hotels left over? Uh, no, Probably hotels not. are sold out. Okay, but they had a package that you can buy the hotels, you can buy the tickets, mm-hmm. you can see the lineup, you can, you know, pretty much everything is at nojazzfest.com. That's it. That is the wrap up of our Jazz Fest episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about other travel, other festivals, and with other chefs from all around the country right here. On a fork on the road, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. We'll see you here next week. Rock on.